Have you ever said to somebody, be patient? Or maybe you've had to look in the mirror and say it to yourself, just be patient. Or maybe you've had to say it as you were stuck in freeway traffic. When somebody says, hey, pray for patience, say no. I entitled this message, Be Patient. And the week that I was doing the sermon, God was certainly challenging me with my own lack of patience. Do you struggle in this area with patience? Do you need more of it? Well, today we're going to deal with the phrase, be patient on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. I heard a story about Gladys and Rhonda. They walked along the sidewalk after church. They were on their way home, thinking about meals planned for later in the afternoon and casually discussing the morning service. That was a great sermon on patience, remarked Rhonda. Gladys replied, yeah, it was. But he went five minutes long. (laughs) Yes. We have a new little puppy at our home. She's just about nine or ten weeks old. Her name is Honey. She's uh, a, a beautiful little dog. But, you know, she's in training, and one of, the, one of the funny things is to watch Honey wait for her food. Um, you're pouring her food, and you got to get her one of those bowls where she doesn't just gulp it all at the same time and just destroy herself. So one time I was trying to get some food for Honey, and before I could even put the bowl down to the ground, she knocked the bowl out of my hand. She was just so fired up, her little eyes, she just can't wait to get her food. But in her lack of patience, she made a total mess. And oftentimes when we're going through life and we lack patience, which is a fruit of the spirit, we can make a mess of things. We can get ahead of God. We can get ourselves in trouble. But it's even more magnified when patience is something that we are struggling with because we have some issues or questions for God. Some years ago, I saw the March of the Penguins. Some of you may remember that. And they show the penguins moving uh, towards their journey in the bitter cold. They march, they huddle together for survival, focused on one goal, where they're headed. We all need that. We need to stay focused on the ultimate goal, that is we're headed for heaven, we're going to be with our Lord. And Paul says in 2 Timothy, or in 2 uh, Corinthians, that In light of that, we can know that things on this earth are just temporal. They're momentary light afflictions, which are bearing up for us an eternal weight of glory. And so the opening phrase in verse 7 says it all. James 5, 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brethren. He addresses the church until the coming. The Greek word is parousia of the Lord. The word is always used in the light of the physical return of Christ. He says, Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. Be patient. If you're a note taker or if you highlight your Bible, that's what you need to highlight right now. Be patient. That's the essence of the matter. And it's a sweeping statement, isn't it? Because there's so many areas of life where we need patience. We need patience with circumstances. We need patience with people. 
We need patience with big things and little things. We need patience in the light of freeway traffic, in the wake of, you know, waiting on maybe a prayer request. And some of you have been waiting for a wanderer. Some of you have prodigals in your life. They may be friends, family members who have gone back to the world and you're waiting on the Lord and asking the Lord to bring them home. Patience is just such a sweeping thing. It applies to so many areas of our lives. We, we wait for so many different things and we're challenged to be patient in so many different ways. Patience with people, circumstances, and even waiting on the promises of God, standing on the promises of God as we wait, especially in the face of injustice. Imagine some of your brethren around the world who are waiting on the Lord maybe for the next meal or maybe to get out of prison, an unjust sentence. They've been persecuted and they've ended up in prison and they're waiting on the Lord. We can re remember John the Baptist who had questions about, you know, Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another as he spent, what, a year languishing in prison and then ended up giving his life. The word patience in the Greek is makrothumio. For those of you who are interested, it means to be forbearing, to be long of spirit, not to lose heart. The word patience means to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. In modern English vernacular, the word macrothumio means to be long-tempered as opposed to what? Short-tempered. And so the word is a, a very uh, complete type of word. And notice that James says we need to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Now the audience he addresses is a first century group of early Jewish Christians. They couldn't have imagined that it would be some 2,000 years until the coming of the Lord. Every generation needs to live in the light of the second coming. We're all excited about the prospects of the Lord coming, but we don't know if we're going to be that generation. The early church didn't know if they would be that generation as well. But James tells them nonetheless to look to the coming or the parousia of the Lord. You see, as a Christian, I'm not just waiting. If I was waiting just to wait, I would become discouraged and disheartened rather quickly because patience is not my strong suit. But I'm waiting for the Lord. And that's what makes all the difference. I'm waiting on him. Now, sometimes I'm waiting on him to give me an answer, to give me direction, to give me perspective, to give me strength. But ultimately, it's the Lord's coming that is the goal. Come, Lord Jesus, Revelation 22, 20. And some of you familiar with 1 Corinthians 16, 22 know just the one word, Maranatha. O Lord, come. And when life is going good and everything seems to be rather in order, I may not cry out Maranatha as much as when things are going south. <laughs> Can I get a witness? It seems like we long for the second coming of Jesus much more when life is not cooperating, <laughs> as it were. And that can be a good thing because longing for him is really what the Christian life is all about. Patience is indeed a virtue, but it is a challenge. We're to wait until the coming of the Lord. Some of you may remember who have been around the church for a while, Crystal Lewis sang a song many years ago. She'd sing it at the Harvest Crusades, this little a sweet little lady who would come out with this powerful voice and she would say, people get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. 
Man, I remember the stadium singing that song and us celebrating the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming. Just as there were all kinds of prophecies about the first coming of Jesus that were fulfilled when he was born in Bethlehem, there are all kinds of prophecies of the second coming. And Jesus is coming again. And I'm not sure that the modern church celebrates that very much anymore. Especially maybe in the West because we have so much to fill our time and so much at our fingertips. We live in an instant society. Things have become so quick and easy for us. And when they don't come quick and easy, we get frustrated. But waiting and learning to wait in many different contexts is important. Theologian Dale Bruner writes, David Peterson, former pastor of the First Presbyterian Church in Spokane, Washington, told about a time when he was preparing his sermon, his little daughter came in and said, Daddy, can we play? He answered, I'm awfully sorry, sweetheart, but I'm right in the middle of preparing the sermon. In about an hour, I can play. She said, okay, when you're finished, Daddy, I'm going to give you a great big hug. He said, thank you very much. She went to the door. These are his words now. Then she did a U-turn, came back, and gave me a chiropractic, bone-breaking hug. David said to her, darling, you said you were going to give me a hug after I finished. She answered, Daddy, I just wanted you to know what you have to look forward to. You know, as Christians, we say, the best is yet to come. But I'm not sure we're always living in the light of the best. This is a call for patient endurance. Hebrews 9.28 says, Christ, also having been offered once to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly wait for him. Hebrews 9.28. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the hill directly opposite the temple to the east. The disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And in Matthew 24, Jesus gave the famous Olivet Discourse, where he tells about the conditions that will surround his second coming. Paul picks on this theme, picks up on this theme when he says in 2 Thessalonians 2.8, And that lawless one will be revealed, the Antichrist, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. The idea of the coming of the Lord, the parousia, is tied to the day of the Lord. Here's what it encompasses. It encompasses the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in a darkened sky where he will light up the sky as lightning flashes from the east to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Revelation 1.7 says that every eye will see him when he comes. He will put his glory on display, and the Bible teaches that all the angels are coming with him. How many angels are there? Myriads of myriads. This is going to be the grandest light show that you have ever seen. And into a darkened world, Jesus will come to rescue his people and to repay those who have persecuted his people, those who have fought against God. And so we wait. But as Tom Petty put it, the waiting is the hardest part. And we all know that Tom Petty has now left this planet as well. And so here we are. And we face our different circumstances in this early church facing injustice. Notice in verse 
7 of James 5, it says, Be patient, therefore. So whenever we see that... Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you a little bit about a college that we have going. It's called the Truth Academy. It meets at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's an apologetic school with also an emphasis on theology. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to share your faith in the public square? Well, this school will help you. And here's Joe Kelly, the director of the Truth Academy, to tell you more. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Boy, has there ever been a time where the need has been greater for God's people to know what they believe and why they believe it? Well, the Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So I'd encourage our listeners, Pastor Michael, to go online to thetruthacademy.com. Take a look, see what we have to offer. Our classes are available either in person if you live in Southern California, or if you want to take a class online, that's available too. You can learn from the comfort of your own home. Once again, that's thetruthacademy.com. We look forward to having you as a student in the near future. Thanks, Joe. That's exciting news. Thetruthacademy.com to give reasons for faith, reasons for hope in our culture. Man, it's so desperately needed. Check it out today, thetruthacademy.com. The waiting is the hardest part. And we all know that Tom Petty has now left this planet as well. And so here we are, and we face our different circumstances in this early church facing injustice. Notice in verse 7 of James 5, it says, be patient, therefore. So whenever we see that, that word, therefore, we look back and we realize that what was happening to these uh, poor Christians is that they were day laborers, verse 4, James 5. They had mowed fields. But their pay had been withheld and they were crying out to God. And their cry had reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth or the Lord of the angel armies. The God of angel armies is always by my side, sings Chris Tomlin. And so in these kinds of circumstances, remember I explained to you the context of James 5, 1 through 6 last time, that the day laborers, if they didn't get paid at the end of the day, they starved and so did their families. That's injustice. That's a big question mark. Like, Lord, how are you going to help us in this? And so they were crying out to God. And James says, be patient, brethren. Until what? Until the coming of the Lord. Behold, here's an illustration. The farmer waits. And remember, these guys were involved in an agrarian culture. They were working on farms so that they could get this illustration. James 5, latter half of verse 7. James says, look at the farmer. He waits for the precious produce of the soil. And you'll notice that patient or patience is going to be mentioned four times in this little section. The farmer being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. NIV says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn fall and the spring rains. We have to keep plowing in preparation for the harvest. And in Matthew 13, Jesus actually uses harvest imagery to describe his second coming. He says there's going to be a time of the harvest, and the time of the harvest is the day of the Lord. And that's when he will bring the wheat into the barn, and he will destroy those who are the wicked, the ungodly, who have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus describes fire 
and radical implications of his second coming. So we have to do preparation until the Lord comes. And we're involved in the harvest right now. The fields are white unto what? Harvest. We're supposed to be harvesting until the Lord comes. We're supposed to be occupying until he comes. We are to plant. One plants, another waters. But what? God brings the increase. We are supposed to be about the work of the harvest until the harvester comes, if you will. And I have to ask my question, am I? Am I about the Lord's business? Because I realize that the Lord has been patient because he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so I have a part in the harvest right now. I'm to plant seeds, another waters. God brings the increase. I'm to be about evangelism. I'm to teach the word of God. I'm to throw the seed out and watch what God does. Many believe that James is uh, actually expositing or commenting on Psalm 37. I want you to turn there. And as you turn to Psalm 37, I'm going to read Psalm 27, 13 and 14. So you want Psalm 37. Here's Psalm 27, 13 and 14. It says, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, Wait for the Lord. This is Psalm 37, verse 7. Psalm 37, verse 7. This has become a precious psalm to many of you. It starts out this way. Psalm 37, 7. It says, rest in or be still before the Lord. Psalm 37, 7. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Think of these early Christians pondering this psalm. Cease from anger. And forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. In James 1.20, James says, The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And I'm sure that some of these early day laborers were getting angry and they wanted to take matters into their own hands. And when we lack patience, that's what we do. We take matters into our own hands and we oftentimes create a mess that way. But it says in verse 10 or verse 9, for evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble, think of James 4, 6, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. The humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. For he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow. James 4.2 said that some people were even perhaps being murdered. To cast down the afflicted and the needy. To slay those who are upright in conduct. We do the right thing and sometimes we think there's going to be a payoff. And there's not. And we say, Lord, what's going on with that? But their sword, notice, will enter their own heart. Their bows will be broken. Better is the, is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. Life is but a vapor, we saw at the end of James 4. It's here today, gone tomorrow. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. 
For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. And I want to give you these verses in the New Living Translation because it's beautiful. It says, verses 23 and 24, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. And so we can see that the farmer has to wait for the rain, and sometimes the rain doesn't come on schedule. Turn back to the book of James. He has to wait for the cycle to happen. He has to be patient. He has to wait for the early and latter rains. The, most of the rain comes in the fall in Israel, from the fall to the winter months, and then the spring rains come, and so he has to keep planting and keep waiting. He has to do things and then trust in the process. And some of you need to do that as well. Trust in the process. Trust in the Lord. Submit to the process and wait on him. Uh, if, if you go out and plant a seed, let's say that you were going to plant some tomatoes in your backyard and you, you put the seed into the ground and you water it a little bit. If you come out a couple hours later and go, what's going on? There's no tomatoes here. Uh, you got to wait. We all would like to, you ever seen those, this, the speeding up of the plant growth? You know, the plant goes up. Wow. Well, that's sped up. <laughs> and the Lord says, you need to wait. You see, God can work even in the waiting. Some years ago, a good brother who's since moved out of state was in the hospital and he was going through some tough times and he didn't know what was going on and he had questions, but there was someone who was brought into the hospital bed next to him and he had the privilege of leading that man to Jesus Christ. And so we just never know how the Lord's gonna redeem the time, <clears throat> do more than we could have expected. A young boy went to the local store with his mother. The shop owner was a kindly man, passed him a large jar of suckers and invited him uh, himself to a handful. Well, uncharacteristically, the boy held back. So the shop owner pulled out a handful of the lollipops and uh, he handed them to the boy. When outside, the boy's mother asked why he had suddenly been so shy and wouldn't take a handful of the suckers when offered. The boy replied, because his hand is much bigger than mine, Mom. <clears throat> See, underneath us are the everlasting arm arms and God wants to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. So we have to wait. The Lord is sowing seed through his people into a world that needs to experience the life and growth that the gospel brings. So James 5.8 says, you too be patient. When we hear a message like this, we can think, oh, well, James is writing to somebody else. No, he says, you too, <laughs> all of us, we need to be patient he says, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. NIV, James 5.8 says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. This is the second mention of the coming of the Lord and this is what we wait for. And as we wait, we're to strengthen our hearts. Have the resolve to put iron into your hearts, says the Williams translation. We're to take uh, refuge 
and delight in the vindication that the second coming will bring. Jesus is going to make everything that's been wrong right again. Do you believe that? There's going to be a millennial reign of Jesus Christ. People will beat their swords into plowshares. They will learn war no more. The wolf and the lamb will lie down together. The young child will play at the hole of the snake. And there will be peace in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. That's what's coming. Eden will be restored. What God intended in the beginning will be restored. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you a little bit about a college that we have going. It's called the Truth Academy. It meets at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's an apologetic school with also an emphasis on theology. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to share your faith in the public square? Well, this school will help you. And here's Joe Kelly, the director of the Truth Academy, to tell you more. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Boy, has there ever been a time where the need has been greater for God's people to know what they believe and why they believe it? Well, the Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So I'd encourage our listeners, Pastor Michael, to go online to thetruthacademy.com. Take a look, see what we have to offer. Our classes are available either in person if you live in Southern California Or if you want to take a class online, that's available too. You can learn from the comfort of your own home. Once again, that's thetruthacademy.com. We look forward to having you as a student in the near future. Thanks, Joe. That's exciting news. Thetruthacademy.com to give reasons for faith, reasons for hope in our culture. Man, it's so desperately needed. Check it out today, thetruthacademy.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.